Sound of Truth starts now. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, as we seek to inform, inspire, and encourage you in your walk with Christ through engaging interviews of ordinary people in whom God is doing an extraordinary work. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited that you've chosen to join us. All right, I'm thrilled to have Neil Cole with me again for the second time this year. Earlier this year, Rick and I interviewed Neil about his book, Pray. Now, Neil is back, and we're going to talk about his latest book, Viral. Neil, great to have you back on Sound of Truth Podcast. Uh, great to be back with you, man. Give us the short summary of what this book's all about. Okay, so you could basically summarize the book Viral in one sentence. Uh, uh, the idea of the book is that we should listen to Jesus and do what he says. And the, the premise is that we all should be doing that. And if we were doing that, the kingdom of God would spread like a virus. The good news of Jesus would spread virally if we all just listen to him and do what he said. Um, now, the book was written in the backdrop of COVID-19 pandemic, and all the lessons we've learned from that are are in the book. But it the that's all just the, the context for us to learn about how the gospel is to spread virally. You mentioned this is a companion volume to pray, a sequel, if you will. What motivated you yeah. to write these two books? Or was there separate motivation? Did you originally just plan on writing pray, or did you have in mind these two together? Right. No, actually, uh, yeah, good question. So pray is us talking with God. And viral is God talking with us. So there's a two-way conversation. And uh, God was directly leading me to write to a whole different audience. And I start off the book viral talking about how he, you know, he kind of had to break me of, uh, break me free from the audience I had been written, writing to for years to write to a younger audience. In fact, the way I would describe the people I want to write to, they are the youngs, the duns, and the and the nuns. They they have no religious affiliation, or they have ended their religious affiliation, and they are younger. So these two books are really the first two that I've written to that audience, and and I believe that if God is going to do a work that's going to Oh, bring hope and change and love and truth and light to the world. He's going to do it with the younger generation. Mm -hmm. And if that's going to happen, it's going to happen because people are connecting with God personally without any middleman. So these two books are really just written to that aim that people would be able to talk to God uh, and, and hear him talk back to them and then respond in obedience to what he has to say. So that's that's why I wrote these two books, and that's why when I've transitioned to this newer audience, these were the first two books I wrote. Now, the next book I'm writing is more foundational to movements, and it will probably be in the same series, but um, it, it might find a more broad application. It's called Scent, and it's about the apostolic gifting that has been stolen and how we need to recover that. But that's, uh, that's coming next. I, I always have two or three books in mind while I'm working on one. So uh, I'll, be writing, <laughs> I'll be writing the rest of my life to get them all out of me. But these are the first two to the young nuns and duns 
and they are written to connect people with God so that they hear him and that he's listening to them, and there is a viral movement as as a result. As I recall, you have shared in the past that you cannot write a book in the same place you wrote a previous book. Do you mind disclosing where you wrote this book? (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird, weird, uh, people don't understand it. Um, I I totally understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's the interesting thing. Um, I figured out why it is. And with this book, I was able to write it in the same place I wrote Pray. So it broke the Mm -hmm. chain. Um, Mm -hmm. And the reason is because I'm writing to the same audience. All my previous books, I had a person in mind that I was writing to, and they were always a little bit different. You know, I would think this book, here's the target audience, and I would actually think of someone I know that fits that, and I would write to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I re- went back to that same place to write another book, that person would haunt me, <laughs> and I would write to You're them. still in the room, so to speak. They're still in the room. The room reminds me of them. Mm-hmm. And so I start thinking of them and writing to them. Yeah. So with Viral and Prey, I had the same person in mind. So it, was the, it, it became clear to me why I had this weird idiosyncrasy, and I was able to break it for the first time. In the first few chapters, you do a great job of taking the COVID-19 experience that all of us have been going through and using that to bring out points of how it's analogous to the spread of the gospel, this virus, both in a positive way, how to shut it down and a, I should say a negative way, how to shut it down. And then a positive way, how to spread something. And so I just want to tease our audience to be interested to find out what that is. But I want to skip over to chapter four, which is really about how to hear the voice of God. But I, I was intrigued. I would not have gotten that from your title which is, yes, the apocalypse is now. That title in no way got me thinking about I was going to read a chapter about how to hear the voice of the Lord in your life. So you want to touch on that and explain that? Yeah, sure. Well, we we all feel like, you know, boy, is this the end times? Uh, Because it's, it's, you know, so many weird things are happening right now. Just within 18 months, we went from... uh, you know, fighting for freedoms to the point where now we have concentration camps being built for people who are unvaccinated and and countries making it illegal to be unvaccinated. And, and it's just strange. And so you feel like you're in the end times. And so the chapter is kind of tongue in cheek when it says, yes, the apocalypse is now. But then I go on to define what apocalypse means. And the actual meaning of the word apocalypse is revelation. Um, and so, yeah, right now things are being revealed. We are in the midst of a revelation about who we are as a people, about our government, about our uh, vulnerabilities. And also there's a revelation occurring about our churches and how fragile and vulnerable they are and how they could be shut down in a moment. Mm. And, and they are not what, you, what I would call anti-fragile. They are very fragile. Um, even the biggest ones with the most property and our biggest staffs, they're probably the most fragile. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything could be shut down in a moment. And so we need to get back to a place where the church is more um, anti-fragile, where all the trials just make us better, make us stronger, make us uh, reproduce more and multiply. 
that's where we need to get. And so the book is really about how to hear God's voice. And so it's about revelation. It's about hearing the voice of God and understanding and, and where we're at in this moment. So the, the, the chapter title is meant to get your attention, but mm-hmm. then it defines what, what apocalypse is. It's not necessarily the end times. It is revelation. For me, chapter five is the heart of the book. I'm not sure how an author enjoys hearing a reader say this to me was the heart of the book. Early on in chapter five, you write of oikos, which refers right. to household. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the best yeah, yeah. English translation. Social web of closest relationships, yeah. Yeah, and that this is really relevant for us as the American church, North American church in particular. Could you elaborate right. on, the, on the importance of this concept of oikos and, and how we need to be strategic sure. in this manner? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so the, the chapter five, and you're, you're right, in my mind, chapter five is the heart of the book as well. I just couldn't start with chapter five. I had to build up to it. Mm-hmm. But chapter five is where I describe Jesus's viral plan and show you that his instructions produced viral movements. And that was the intent. And now movements are kind of like if you if you have a train, there's three things you need for the train to work. You need to have the train itself with the precious cargo. And then you need to have tracks for it to run on. And then you need to have some form of energy, which an engine would produce, to move the train down those tracks. So when it comes to a viral movement of the gospel, the tracks are our relationships with one another. And so one of the things I've said for years is that the gospel flies best on the wings of relationship. And we need to get back to the place where we actually do uh, have a relational connection with the world. And unfortunately, um, we've created a Christian bubble where all our closest relationships are with people who are already Christians. And we don't have meaningful relationships with people outside of that bubble. We're in a Christian ghetto, if you will. And as a result, there's no place for the movement to spread down those tracks. The mm-hmm. tracks end at our church building. Um, and I, I think we've been duped to be this way. I think there's a good reason that the enemy, Satan, has worked so hard to make most church services to be music performing, information providing, non-relational events. We, mm-hmm. we in a sense, have been practicing social distancing for a long time at church. And as a result, we have contained the Jesus virus and flattened our curve. And we have to build those relationships back. And they should be natural. That's what the, the thing about Oikos is it, 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 isn't, it isn't something you you go out and intend to produce. It's a natural byproduct of who you are and the place you were born and the people that you know. So um, we, we have surrendered that opportunity in the world to just associate with Christians. And the results are we we don't even have tracks for the gospel to run on. We have to now intentionally go out there and build those. And I think part of the reason we've had this lockdown that we had was that God was giving us a time out. He was saying, don't go to church. Don't come to church. Become church. Go back home. That's where family is meant to be and church is a family. And go back to your neighbors. That's where you're supposed to have. Be better neighbors, not better attenders. And so I think God has been really 
raising his voice to us about how we need to build stronger relationships with people in the community and be a friend to them, not just make them a project. So that's that's the key to Oikos, and that's explained in that book. And that was Jesus's plan from the start. He repeated that word over and over again in the two sermons he gave about how to spread the kingdom, um, Matthew 10 and Luke 10. And that's what that chapter is all about, looking at those those two messages that Jesus gave. Um, and Oikos is the key to it all. It's, it's basically the, the playground for the kingdom of God. It's the, it's the field where we advance the ball. You mentioned Matthew 10 and Luke 10, and make a very, uh, to me, provocative statement in this chapter regarding this idea of what you call isolated conversions. Right. But I was thinking about Luke chapter 10, verse 4, and in your comments on that, and I wrote down this question, is Ray Comfort wrong? <laughs> is Ray Comfort wrong? Well, he may be wrong on a lot of things, but... Well, I'm, sp- um, I'm thinking specifically here about confrontational evangelism, because you, you, you talk about how Jesus says, don't greet people on the way, I think. I'm paraphrasing, of course. You, you make reference to stereotypical yeah. evangelistic airplane conversation, and, and you come up, your language is pretty strong, as if to, almost borderline saying Jesus doesn't want you to do that. So that's why I'm asking, is Ray Comfort wrong to cold turkey approach people yeah. that he doesn't know in a non-relational network setting? Well, I think Ray Comfort is not launching movements. He's not spreading a viral kingdom. Um, so if the end goal is to launch a contagious virus that spreads, then Ray Comfort is not practicing the things Jesus said to do that. Um, he is seeing people saved. You know, he lives in my area. <clears throat> it's not uncommon to see him out at the pier or something around here. Um, and I have adopted his, uh, you know, his whole idea that the law was given to mm-hmm. awaken people to their need for the gospel is a, it, that's a valuable theological truth that I've learned from him and I employ. Uh, and I, I really value that. But when it comes to launching a movement, you know, Jesus, said, do not greet someone on the way, uh, but rather go to the oikos and see if there's a person of peace there that's a person who's worthy. And when they receive the gospel, then many will receive the gospel. When you just one-off somebody, you may add one more person to the kingdom, but you're not launching a rapidly multiplying movement, which I think is what Jesus intended. Um, So that's, that's the difference. It's not that it's wrong or sinful to lead someone to Christ on an airplane or talk about Jesus while you're flying. It's just that Jesus, when he was instructing us to catalyze contagious movements of the kingdom, um, that is to be done in the context of relationships and in the context of where life happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and without professionals that do it or, or, um, people with a, an enormous amount of expertise, because when you do it that way, the people who receive the message won't feel like they are equipped to go and do it themselves to the next town, the next village, mm-hmm. or the next oikos. And so Jesus is very specific in his instructions. He tells him not to carry any money, carry no money or belt or extra sandals. Um, he's saying, go to the household, find a person of peace, and when they come to Christ, there will be a, 
they'll be the first domino in a chain reaction. Many will come to Christ and then they will take it to the next one. He, he actually says, do not go door to door. Don't go house to house. Stay in that house. He says, eat what they eat, drink what they drink, stay there and coach them to take the gospel to the next house and the next house after that. That's a, that's a viral approach. It's a, uh, it's what Jesus always intended. It's, it's clearly spelled out. He repeated this sermon. It's basically the same sermon given in Matthew 10 and is also in Luke 10. Mm-hmm. But in Matthew 10, it's to the 12. Luke 10 is to the 70. But it's the same instruction. Mm-hmm. So he's repeating himself because it's valuable. It's something we could learn from. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think that it, it's not a question of whether Ray Comfort is right or wrong. It's a question of his goal, and if his goal is just to add one more person to the roll call in heaven or to depopulate hell, then he's doing fine. But um, and if he wants to launch a movement that transforms communities and spreads contagiously, then there is a better way to go about it. Yeah, and and I'm not wanting to pit one brother against another. I think what Ray Comfort does is valuable to the kingdom. And, um, but I wanted to clarify and make sure, cause I think some readers could maybe walk away saying, Oh, I don't have to ever think about confronting a stranger on the street or, and I think the Holy spirit sometimes prompts people to do that. I think you would agree with that. Um, and we're being obedient to the great commission to preach to every creature, every person. So I, I just want to make sure I, it's clear for our audience and for myself you're not right. saying it's a wrong thing to do to cold turkey witness to a stranger. No, that's something Jesus did all the time. He'd find somebody on his path and he would heal 10 lepers or he would uh, heal a blind man on the side of the road named Bartimaeus or he would tell Zacchaeus to get out of the tree. But more often than not, he was trying to connect those people to their own household. Like Zacchaeus, he says, tonight I will dine with you in your house. Well, friends, I'm going to have to break in here for time's sake and invite you to join us again next week for the completion of this interview with Neil Cole about his latest book, Viral. But before we end today's podcast, I do want to ask you to consider rating Sound of Truth and giving it a review. Maybe even post it to your social media. It would mean a whole lot to us. Again, join us next week for part two of this thought-provoking interview with Neil Cole about his latest book, Viral. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share with your friends. Thanks. The music is by Canon and is used with permission. This podcast is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2021.